gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Block Sauce, your web show that showcases a variety of games from the Web3 space. I'm your host, NFT Ambassador Jim Kieran, and today I've got a super special guest lined up for you guys. So grab your controllers, crack open a Mountain Dew, and prepare to get your game on. Sauce enthusiasts, it's time to bring the heat with another electrifying episode of the Block Sauce. I'm thrilled to introduce our special guest today. We have Nick with us from Rumble League Studios. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Just another day in Web3, which uh, you guys are building a game for, I'm hearing. This is the first I'm hearing of it. So uh, tell me a bit about what you guys are working on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, essentially what we're building is really a 3v3 basketball game on steroids, so to speak. We kind of like to consider ourselves in a quick summary, sort of NBA Jam reboot meets Zootopia kind of cyberpunk reality feel. We don't take ourselves too seriously. It's kind of this fast paced 3v3 mobile game with abilities like things like fire dunk, ice on the court, um, really like fast paced action packed gameplay. Like that's it in a simple nutshell. There's obviously a lot more layers to it. But that's kind of the, the hook, so to speak. Now, obviously, this is going to be a very bare-bones synopsis. But to me, it sounds like you guys brought Mario Party to basketball. Kind of, in a way. <laughs> uh, sort of taking all of the fun elements that you wish you could do in basketball. For instance, mm-hmm. like you can tackle in Rumble Kong League, right? Oh. You can, your Kong can charge at another Kong, knock the ball out of his hands, take it, and go slam a fire dunk, right? Sort of unheard of in <laughs> basketball, but really brings in that, like, arcadey smash feel to to a serious sport right you guys brought rugby to basketball is what you're telling me pretty much <laughs> with, with a dash <laughs> of mario dash of mario <laughs> oh man that sounds good so what actually brought rumble league studios to the web 3 space like what's your background in gaming and why why try to create a game over here yeah so um my background comes from like traditional gaming so specifically mm-hmm. Back when indie games, Xbox indie games were kind of all the craze, really pre-game engine days, um, I built two title, two large titles in particular, one of which was the first real port of Minecraft to Xbox called Total Miner. Oh. Um, that to be the best-selling Xbox indie game of all time. It was really at a time when Minecraft was like early alpha, PC only. People were mm-hmm. begging for the console. We were one of the reasons actually that uh, Moeng actually wound up on console, right, through 4J Studios, I think, at the time. Um, but yeah, from there, really went on to do another title, which was called Minor of Duty, was another voxel-based game, but was sort of like really early UGC elements. UGC at the time wasn't really a thing. We created this map builder where people could build out maps and then jump in and actually um, have whatever they built in it, right? Like primarily it was shooter game, 
game. So it's kind of like a janky early Fortnite with voxels. You could build, you could shoot, you could like capture each other's bases, um, and uh, really, really like low poly eight bit voxels. Uh, and that was a number three bestseller on Xbox. Um, from there, I really witnessed early days of what can happen with a lot of centralized based companies, stores, assets, etc. Like at the time, indie games weren't supposed to kind of make it big on Xbox. They were used to like 3,000, 30,000 yeah. copies sold and, you know, like Total Miner sold well over 3 million copies, right? And so that really woke Microsoft up to, hey, we need to do something here. We need to profit from this, right? Outside of just their, their 30% take. Um, and they shut down the indie games marketplace. Like they shut down the whole framework pretty much overnight. Um, and our player bases were wiped. Like this is before Discord was a thing. Forums were a thing. Like we had a forum, but that only takes you so far from your actual active player base, right? Yeah. Um, around gaming were very like, it wasn't really central communities. They were just kind of scattered player groups, so to speak. Um, and they shifted everything towards the arcade model. So from there, um, you know, I've done a lot in the tech space and I really, I, sort of found out about Bitcoin in the deep rabbit holes in 2013, 14, um, sort of a change of pace, right? Really went all in on this thesis yep. of like no centralized parties, um, you know, peer-to-peer -peer money, et cetera. Um, fast forward a little bit, 2017, learned about NFTs through CryptoKitties, and that was kind of my world sliding. Like gaming assets to me made sense. Everything clicked. Um, so I joined the sandbox a little bit after there, pretty much at the blockchain inception. It was a 2D game. I don't know if a lot of people actually know that uh, before becoming what it is today. Um, and it was there about two, two and a half years where ultimately kind of core idea around RKL wound up coming about. Mm -hmm. um, that obviously four co-founders, us came together and started on this thesis. You know, we were seeing at the time, we were seeing board apes were getting popular. They weren't gaming assets. Today, they're a gaming asset, right? Uh, the hot take probably for some, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, they were really just about collectability and like culture. And they were a group. They were no different than like a follower who follows Supreme or whatever your favorite brand is. Uh, we were seeing what NBA Top Shot was doing, bringing people into the space around the love for basketball and the passion around basketball. We were seeing obviously what was happening with Axie, though unsustainable. We were seeing like there's clearly demand for some sort of in-game real economy here. There always has, right, in gaming. Um, and we were like, what would that look like sort of in a blender, right? Like we have background in building games. What would this look like on, on the next level? People were complaining about not being able to do anything with these top shot moments. There was a ton of basketball enthusiasts were passionate about basketball and, um, we went to market in 2021 with kind of the idea, which started as initial, really a PFP collection. I think we were one of the few at the time that was a PFP gaming asset. Um, nowadays, everyone is. Um, but back then, it was, it was it was us, Sandbox, Decentraland, like a few that were actually doing it um, with, with the thesis of a 3v3 high-paced, action-packed um, basketball mobile game. Interesting. So were there any specific influences that played a role in the development of the game? Like, did you guys pull from NBA specifically or did you look at any other party games? Like what kind of led to this game yeah. specifically? It's funny. We, we started, first of all, basketball is one of the most interesting sports as a business outside of our personal love for it and everything. I of think course. a lot of people forget all the subcultures and niches around basketball specifically, many sports, but if we just focus on basketball, you could be a fan of Steph Curry just because of what he wears out onto the court. You could be a fan of like hip hop graffiti culture around actual basketball. You could yeah. be a fan of just a sneakerhead 
natural collector that's really into you know the surrounding sports culture there you could be a gambler and a degenerate that's you're you're a fan of basketball as well or you just love the sport for the sport so i think when we took a look it's also one of the most interesting sports globally like a lot of people don't realize um the us yeah basketball's huge but really globally when you take a look like asia is massive Basketball is the number one sport in the Philippines, for instance, who's already familiar with digital assets and actually owning digital items. Um, everything just clicks. There's so many subcultures around. And, and um, on top of it, like it's one of the most fascinating areas from a nostalgia standpoint. So as our community started to grow and really like resonate and ultimately uh, purchase the NFTs at the time, um, we saw this nostalgia forming. Like we saw people were like, hey, this is new age NBA jam. I want in. Like I miss the glory days. I miss what I used to feel smashing my friend in that game. Or 2K is like in this lane, we want something more streamlined, something we could play on the go, something that's that's fun and not not taken too seriously, right? It's not down that NBA alley. It's more down this like street culture meets new age technology and entertainment, right? Um, so it's a little bit of kind of in its own lane, right? It's not quite these low quality mobile based basketball games that are just like basketball championship or league. Right. And it's not quite a 2k. Right. So it's somewhere exactly. sort of. That makes sense. So I, while I was digging through the website, it looks like you guys have four collections already live. Is that correct? Sort of. So we have one main collection, which is Kong's obviously mm-hmm. um, Genesis collection, most valuable in all, all real aspects. We have the rookies collection, which were, um, was our secondary kind of lower entry point. And then, um, we have clubs, which is probably what you're seeing. We have some other ones from like sneakers, sneakers yeah, ifs, things, in-game wearables. Those are the core main ones. That was really clubs, Kongs, and Rickies. Okay, and how do those each pertain to the gameplay? Yeah, so obviously, I'll start with clubs because I think it's one of the more interesting things we ever did. Um, we really baked in around the notion of like what is an NBA league with no teams, right? With no fan following with no ranked league no competitive element so clubs are the nba analogy of the rumble Kong league right so you have casual play which is anyone can come in they can play they're not earning real you know assets they're slowly kind of onboarded to the web3 layer they can use just a default character they can bring in eventually their other nft they do have them and play a fun engaging game like your grandma can pick up she can play she can hang out right Mm -hmm. then kind of the ranked mode that you're slowly onboarded to which is where kongs come into play as well as clubs that's your nba so this is like your serious high stakes money tournaments on the line um it's your nba for all intents and purposes everything else is sort of like your college ball high school ball g league whatever you want to call it um and you, you need a kong to actually participate in there Clubs, think of them, they're NBA teams, but think of them like guilds built into the system, right? To some degree, maybe guilds isn't the right word because they get a lot of bad rep for previous new age guilds is what I'd call them, esports teams to some degree. Um, so there's only 50. There's 50 clubs that have been sold. They sold for about 13 each in an auction way back. Um, and people are really building their own brands. So if you go like on our website, rumblekongleague.com slash clubs, You'll see them there, like Seattle Super Kongs. You'll see Coastal City Kongs. You'll see all kinds of different brands forming. Some of them have signed NBA players. Some of them have done their own product lines, hot sauce lines, merch, whatever. They've really gone crazy. Some have built courts in the Philippines. Um, The sky's kind of the limit. So they're truly like a grassroots brand ability and, and flag stamp within the broader RKL universe. 
So that tells me you guys already have a base community, right? Right. So we saw, obviously, a lot of popularity in the PFP craze and people resonating around the game. Our community grew in your Discord 70,000, 80,000 people. Uh, we did about 20,000 ETH in trading volume um, on the Genesis collection. And uh, yeah, we have, I would argue, one of the most involved communities to date. Like, they've, they're nuts. They're involved in all aspects. They've built trading tools off of in-game algorithm speculation all the way down to, to like I said, signing NBA players. So we, we really, the vision just kind of took on a, off on its own, really. Like we saw we, a lot of NBA players naturally buy in, Steph Curry, Paul George, all these kind of guys, um, and then gradually use that to, to get to other NBA players, right? They just kind of resonated with this concept of like, hey, new age gaming, right? Um, and I think one thing you'll find, which we can touch on in a bit, but is athletes of all sports but especially basketball we've seen because we've talked to many um when they're not playing sitting in the locker room training whatever they're gaming right they're streaming they're gaming they're competing with other players they're just resting recovering and, and they're jamming out on games like that is their mm -hmm. second highest passion behind actually playing we've, we've really noticed love to hear it got to get the gamers in there so have you actually had any of those holders or community members join for any testing so far we have. So we have, was it March or April this year, we had our first real open alpha, which the game was much more, game was at a different point. It was much more like simulation based. Biggest feedback we got from that was you're kind of playing cards, these ability cards, which we'll, we'll show in a little bit. Uh, biggest feedback we got is, hey, I want player input. I want to be able to at least control my Kong to some degree. All right. Obviously, player input's a fine line because mobile isn't the greatest for certain sports-based player input. Others, sure, but you're controlling a team at the end of the day, right? Um, so, so to that nature, this this test we just um, will have completed, I think, when this comes out over the past weekend, was really focused on those changes. Um, one of the big things with us is we build in public. We build with our community feedback based on them. So we brought, I think, three, 400 people into that first testing session, um, gained a ton of feedback from them. We found out the tackle was the most fun and most uh, most exciting thing that people loved. And the thing they hated was they want to control some of their Kongs, right? And so mm -hmm. this latest test we just finished will show a bit um, is those next steps over the past months of direct player input um, of actually controlling your team, being able to actually directly control what's happening on the court. I love that you say that. That I can tell you right now, that would have been my input if I had played in that test as well. Um, there are some sports mobile games I have tried, and I don't like the simulation route. It, it doesn't work. It just doesn't feel like I'm playing a game. It feels like I'm watching somebody else play the game, and yeah. it, it's not as engaging. It doesn't keep me engrossed as much. Uh, but that does actually answer my next question. But I wonder if maybe you've got anything else to add, which is actually how did the player feedback and community engagement shape the direction of the game? Yeah, it's really been everything for us. I think, um, look, like I've operated different game companies in the past and talked with many others as well. And as you know, too, it's it's a crazy thing to open up development. Um, gamers are the best, but they're very passionate and thus they're, they're very vocal and they have opinions that often probably aren't correct or thinking about things from maybe a business aspect or from, you know, retention aspect, whatever it is. They don't think through all the nuances necessarily. It's a blessing and a curse, right? If everyone's screaming for something, it's probably at least worth taking a look at, at the very least. 
Uh, and I think it's something we've done the best. Like, we're not scared to open things up. We're not scared to say why we think somebody might be wrong. And we're not scared to say why they were right, right, in our development. Uh, so we share a lot. Like, we share things where some people are like, what is that? And it's like, well, yeah, if you're not used to an animation process behind the scenes, it probably looks horrible. But um, wait until it's finished and rendered, and suddenly you'll see it come to life, right? Um, so, so yeah, like it's shaped everything for us. We had a direct feedback form. We even had a test before that that was closed to about 20 holders. And we, we were on the call with them for two, three hours, just watching, observing, taking notes. Then the larger one that we opened, um, again, the biggest feedback was obviously player input, but people mm -hmm. got the mechanics. They loved it visually. That was one of the big positive takeaways. Um, and then this last session that we will have just finished over the weekend, um, is really about showing those changes. So I'm excited to, to hear feedback from it as well. That's fantastic. I, I love how you danced around calling gamers entitled like most people do. <laughs> Let's be honest, dude, I, I'm a gamer. And yes, there are times I'm passionate about what I want. Um, but I also understand that I'm one person and a game can't just do what I want. They have to cater to the yeah. overall audience. Like you mentioned, they also have to cater to the business. If gamers had it their way, every game would be free to play. Let's be honest. Yep. Like, you can't do that. This is a business. There's money that needs to be made. So, you know, you can complain about microtransactions. Guess what? They, they got to keep the lights on. If you like the game, you got to find a way to support them. A lot of free to play games, I've probably spent more money on than paid games. For sure. People forget how... Uh... They don't forget. I just think it's a nature of large studios don't show behind the scenes. They don't show that True. few hundred million dollars they burned on a title that will never see the light of day. So people don't see how, A, expensive, but B, long games actually take to develop, right? Because they're they're seeing pretty polished product by the time they're seeing even a trailer um, where where they're just like, well, hey, why can't you do that, right? It's like, well, it's it's not quite that easy. I can't just hit the do that button. Come on, guys. Right? If uh, only. <laughs> um, so I, obviously with it being a mobile sports game, you kind of are limited on what you can and can't like do, so to speak. Um, yep. Are there any Easter eggs or lesser known aspects of the game that you're kind of proud of and that you want players to discover? Or is this kind of like straight in your face basketball? No, there's plenty, um, and I think that it'll evolve along the way, too, as we continue in development deeply, and we're always open to crazy ideas. I think one of the really cool aspects that we've also shifted towards um, is our kind of um, more deeper engaging hub world. We call it like an interactive menu, but really what it is is it's a walkable world, right? Um, very limited because I, I don't believe like your persistent metaverse is a thing of anytime soon. Um, Think of it like in the same way you walk around 2K, you see the training routes, you go to the mm -hmm. store, et cetera. Which is bringing our Athlos world, we call it, and, and all the lore around Arcale to life, right? An where interactive you can lobby, essentially. Pretty much, where you can go in there, you can shit talk, interact, challenge, shop, whatever it is, right? Um, with other players, it's also going to be kind of this hub around clubs. So there's going to be, that's where the Easter eggs are going to live primarily. In the core game, in the actual uh, where you're actually playing, um, there's there's a lot of different things. I think one of the most interesting things we did, which it sounds so simple, but like today, because today everyone's doing it, but we were one of the early people who actually put attributes on an NFT, right? Like each Kong was assigned a boost, different boosts, 
which are shooting, defense, vision, and finish, which directly play into the game, right? And we saw, for the first time ever, a kind of third market form, which was you had, you know, people who were just interested in the art, the PFP, the game, buying a floor Kong, right? You had people buying your high, rare, good-looking, whatever Kongs. And then we had boost markets, which was like, I need a high shooter to pair with my high defender. I yeah. need an overall high boost, right? Um, and so I think a lot of people, when they see RK on the surface, they like, then they gradually get there and like, oh, wait, this is all clicking together. So I encourage people to always uh, be looking at the boosts market and what's going on there. People have created tools for it in our community, all, all sorts of different things. Um, and then there's also hidden attributes. So in game, there's hidden things that people don't think about. Think things like um, crossovers, injury, right? All sorts of different things. Okay. So are there going to be any this is always a tough question we got to we got to ask hard questions sometimes love it are there any specific features or elements in the game that set it apart from any of its counterparts within the genre i think abilities is that um there are no i i urge people to go find one and, and show on the level of how we're doing abilities it doesn't really exist they're similar in other sports like soccer, mm-hmm. football, or you grilled for that one, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's some around there, kind of like your Omega Strikers starts to get towards that and things. Um, but the way we're pairing player input now with abilities is very interesting. It's very fun. It's, it sort of adds this element of a management layer around your Kongs your actual player input skill mixed with the strategy around abilities. It's sort of like Mm -hmm. a deck game mixed in, right? So um, it's a really interesting mix. And I'm I'm a big proponent of pushing the boundaries. I think it doesn't happen in gaming today. And we might get horrible feedback on certain things, but that's the point is to experiment, gain feedback from real users and and continue iterating. Um, But the abilities are kind of another level, like putting up a wall and a bubble shield Mm -hmm. while dribbling a basketball right like it just it doesn't happen like that in in traditional sports games well you hit the nail on the head iterative development that is key to any successful game uh just putting a game out there and thinking it's going to work and appeal to everybody is uh well unless you're call of duty i don't think you're getting away with that (laughs) (laughs) they're starting to slow down on it too i i I feel like the community I'm sick of it. <laughs> they, they said they were slowing down. They said they were slowing down, but here we are a year after their last release, and we just got another release shoved, shoved it over to us, which, look, I've been playing it. It's fun. I'll give them kudos. Oh, likewise. But I want, buy it. I want a new experience. If I wanted more of the same Call of Duty, I would go play the same Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how the play today is bringing back the nostalgia OG games, right? COD, starting to do it, Fortnite, etc. It's all, it's uh, it's an interesting thing to really dive deep on. Well, there was actually a, um, a studio recently, I forgot which one it was, uh, they laid off a bunch of employees and they said it's because gamers only want remakes and remasters. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, well, look at Resident Evil. That franchise is completely sustained right now by remakes and remasters. Resident Evil 8 is the only original entry we've had in years. And it was good, too. Don't get me wrong. But for the most part, it's all remakes and remasters. Then I looked at Metal Gear. Remakes, remasters. Then I look at Silent Hill, which has a remake and remaster coming up. And I'm like, yeah. the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I think people do kind of want more of just the same. 
You know what it is? Is they just want new ways of the same. Like, there I always go. go back. My roots are in voxel Minecraft, right? Like, mm-hmm. what made Minecraft successful? The core game obviously had its magic, but was the developer community around it building mod packs, by the way, of which was against the terms of service, <laughs> uh, building mod packs around it and adding in things that they wanted to see or like, hey, let's make a version focused towards technology where you have electricity, solar mm-hmm. panels, all this stuff, right? But it's still Minecraft at its core. Um, and I think that trend's going to continue. I actually think you're going to see a lot of uh, large AAA studios just acquiring old IPs or IPs they have, rebooting them, putting putting the latest and greatest you know on them and just rebooting the core mechanics because they can make a hell of a lot more than exploring a new genre and taking the risk. Well, I, I, as much as I want to agree with you, Xbox bought out Blizzard and Activision, and if Xbox brings me a new FPS or MMORPG StarCraft, I'm all for it. Go ahead. That That is one franchise I love to death, but if they want to step outside the genre and try something new, I'm buying it day one. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's always the exception, for sure. Oh, of course. But yeah, yeah no, nah, gen- generally speaking, I, I have to agree with you, but there, there's always an exception to the rule. So I heard you have some gameplay for us. Uh, did you want to go ahead and throw it up now and we'll uh, show, show yeah. people what we're about to jump into next week? Let's do it. And I should clarify, so this is really, it's it's just player input. So this all of the juice, unfortunately, and we'll show you a video of a little bit, is removed. So there's no, the abilities aren't in there, the fun, the metal loop, the animations, VFX, things like that. Um, But you'll get an idea for the underlying basketball that people are going to feel a little bit of the player input shift. Exactly. Uh, And we do have the game up now. So uh, so this is alpha, right? Yeah, closed alpha I see at the bottom. Closed alpha. um, Again, very as we see here, like we've got a jump ball dispute. I'm actually controlling this Kong, and you'll see I'll mess around a little bit. We've got the AI kind of buffed up a little bit, too, um, for stealing, uh, just to make it a little quicker, given abilities aren't in there. Um, But you'll see here. Yeah, I can already see how how having direct control is immediately a boon for this game. Yep, like you see, he just stole from me there. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, nice. And then I break away. Uh, but yeah, abilities are really what like start to bring things to life. See, as now, I said, the, I was about to say. So in the build next week, abilities aren't going to be there, right? No. Okay. So their abilities are essentially done, but they're they're just kind of removed from um, to really feel the core underlying mechanics, right? Yeah. The and base I gameplay. Yeah, I'm losing now. I'm not paying attention. So <laughs> <laughs> I say that because. Again, like most of our community, the last thing they felt, they haven't felt player input, right? They haven't actually gotten in there and felt controlling their own assets, their own Kongs, et cetera, right? So that's what I'm most excited to hear feedback around. Um, Adding in the juice, the fun, all of that, that's the easy part, really, like uh, from our perspective. Nailing that underlying core feel around basketball um, is the most important. You'll see like the AI kind of starts to learn with you. They'll start getting running plays on you, getting a little smarter on you Mm -hmm. um, as well. So I see that the controls are mobile. Is is this mobile exclusive, or is there going to be like a browser or PC version available? It's mobile exclusive. We're technically building, shipping builds on um, both iOS, Android, are the core platforms, but web as well. So it can be web, um, but it is most definitely optimized and built for for mobile. Like mobile is the audience we're going for. Okay. 
so I see when you're shooting, there's a little bar that comes up. Um, how does that work? Do I need to hit the green to score or? Hold on, constantly. Uh, exactly. So it's actually taking into account each Kong's uh, attributes that we're talking about, which is their boosts, mm -hmm. right? So if you have a higher boost Kong, it goes off of zones as well. So you'll see like here, I'll, I'll run up. I'll try not to get stolen from. I'll shoot a three-pointer. You'll see much more difficult, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, when I land in that red, low chance, your green's going to be larger if you have a higher boost Kong. If, if I had a higher shooter, right, that's going to be larger. If I'm trying to steal, it's going to be a higher chance of it being successful. I mean, it's not quite that straightforward. It's a little bit more complex than that. But um, it'll have a higher chance of being successful, stealing, things like that. So that quick time event um, absolutely is, like, taking everything into account, though. Nice. So when the abilities come in, are there going to be abilities that make shooting easier or yes so there's quite a few so here actually maybe we should show i'll show you some examples of some abilities again this was kind of our our older um client so ignore everything else this was before player input but you'll get the idea of what some abilities kind of can be so this one specifically is going to show um a fire dunk right where yeah. you're, you're you're able to play that card again you have limits around your abilities. You have stamina to your abilities. You can only use them at certain times. You have different abilities on defense than offense. Um, some can be played in both ways. So you see here, right, like fired on instant basket. Uh, you're launching across the court. It's kind of like your NBA jam ode. Um, the rush ability. So this is kind of like a sprint elevated where you can kind of, you know, sprint past your whole team. Uh, to score a quick bucket, you obviously still have to make it. The wall, we actually saw players use this defensively, which was interesting. Um, you can use it offensively or defensively, where you're blocking out players for a set, right? Um, as well, different things like, what else do we have in this one? Um, the power shot, so that's, I think we do the power, yeah. Power shots, instant like three-pointer from anywhere, for for example, jumping up and scoring the basket. Um, I'll share this next one, which is so, going to give you an idea. A couple more. Are there counter cards as well? Because I saw that power shot, and I'm like, uh, how do you stop that? Exactly. So that's a great question. Here you go. So this one's a shockwave. So this is offensive. Another example of offensibility where you're just basically stunning them for a second, all your opponents. Um, one we saw, the force shield is what we saw being countered. So this can counter those. Uh, which is throwing up a bubble shield around the hoop, oh. right? Um, so exactly, like there's quite a bit of strategy. Like abilities is the metal layer where a lot of strategy comes into place. Um, and again, it only lasts for a couple seconds. You got to hit it at the right time. You got to be anticipating what your player is going to play. Um, here's an example of like blink, which is like a teleportation ability. Um, and these are just a glimpse, right? There's quite a bit that have all different aspects, right? So finding the balance of things you can counter. Um, and then also just like the craziness and the outlandishness, right? Which is like um, things like, like there's one where you slam down the court turns into ice and Kongs are sliding all around, right? Uh, so things like this, like bringing that element of this is basketball, but it's not too serious to it. I like that. So I can actually see why you guys would have had it simulated originally because trying to move my character around, pay attention to the cards, what I have available, when to use it. This is this is actually going to be fairly in-depth for a mobile game. 
Yeah. There's quite a bit of, and that's what we're going through right now, right? There's quite a bit of balancing. So as we're continuing to do these play tests, right? So this one that's happening through the weekend uh, will have happened now that this is when this goes live um, is focused on just that player input, what you saw there. So it's, you know, it's not, it's just, Hey, let me feel the mechanics of player input. The next one, which will be um, either end of this year or early next year, probably early next, um, will be with abilities are on fire mode where you're, you're building up. You can, you know, kind of a slingshot mechanic in both directions. Um, and you're going to start to feel how things come together. And then it's about finding that balance of how, how many abilities is too much abilities, um, you know, and when does it take off from the player input, right? Yeah, so, I mean there's just so many more layers than I expect. Cause when it comes to mobile gaming, I don't expect in-depth games most of the time. Let's be honest. Yep. You know, I go download an app from the mobile game. I got a tutorial that probably takes all of five minutes. Boom. I know the whole game. This is not one of those games. There's going to be a skill gap, like yep. knowing the timings, being able to move around the map, being able to work with, cause again, you're playing by yourself right now against AI. This is a three V three. So you're going to also have to coordinate with your teammates on using abilities, because if you both use an ability exactly. at the same time and waste it, it's, it's not optimal. And I, you also pepper in the management layer, right? So if you put three shooters to three high shooters together, you, you're going to shoot well, but you're not going to do anything else. Well, right. <laughs> So yeah, you gotta even coordinate your Kongs around your teammates. This is, that's actually kind of ridiculous. So whenever I'm choosing my Kong, is it something I have to queue in already selected or will I be able to see my teammates Kongs and select mine based on theirs? So you will be able to see your team, like, first of all, the matchmaking system pairs you based off of like a pretty in-depth system, which mm -hmm. won't go into detail, but you're getting paired on skill, right? Um, at the simplest layer. Um, However, yes, especially in the ranked mode, like the leaderboard element goes pretty in depth of like who's on that team. You can even see it on our website now, like people with their clubs, they've signed Kongs to their different clubs, right? Um, you can see their total boost scores, what they look like, who they're trying to pair together, how they're mm -hmm. trying to pair together. There's also an entire element of um, uh, sort of stamina, like there's stamina in game, but also stamina from the aspect of you can't just play your top three Kongs for the whole season in, in the competitive layer, right? Because wouldn't be any fun. So you also have to pick when to play your Steph Curry, right? Uh, when to put him in, um, you know, because they have to sit out X games after that, yep. right? They have fatigue. Um, so absolutely, there's kind of both elements. There's there's quite a few layers when you really dive down. Like we have people who are just going to be acting as GMs of the clubs, literally, um, just seeing who pairs well together, training in the off season, um, seeing what makes sense. Like they need to play a lot in casual to even understand the competitive layer. And then in casual, um, it's it's all pretty straightforward too. You can kind of see everything laid out. Interesting. So long term, how do you kind of see the game evolving? Like, are you going to continue adding new abilities, new Kongs, new maps? Like, what's what's the long term support look like? Yeah, really, sort of all of the above. So like, the competitive layer is going to remain. We want it to be that NBA analogy. We want those mm -hmm. to be these esports teams with athletes, brands being involved in, like we have quite a few large brands that are already involved in, in more to come. Um, it's really going to be this like spectator aspect, right? In the future, I view people being able to come on and bet, maybe not through us, but through third parties and things like this. Um, it's like fantasy evolved is kind of how I put it and envision it. Uh, from a core game, <laughs> we really view it continuing to evolve just as a basketball game. Like at its core, we're a 3v3 basketball game. Mm -hmm. uh, but but much more exciting, right? And then 
you pepper in kind of the Athelos interactive world, um, and it starts to become this kind of sports universe to some degree. Far, far out, five-year plus, we envision other sports and things, uh, but that, that starts with really nailing basketball. And were you guys being involved with basketball, did you guys uh, consider or attempt any, like, NBA or actual basketball org partnerships? We have. We've we've talked in depth uh, with both NBA but also major NBA teams as well and things. I think it's uh, – there's good and bad to those sorts of partnerships. Good is obvious. You're aligning with a major – league it's mm-hmm. your, your acquisition skyrockets your marketing dollar etc like you're stamping an approval on your product right mm-hmm. that also comes with a lot of limitations i think a lot of people don't understand how political sports the sports world is certainly we even go through with athletes right like certain athletes won't work with certain brands and vice yep. versa they're paid millions of dollars to wear t-shirts right of different brands so when you start to bring in and introduce another brand there you, you step on toes um so yes, but really the route we're taking is like, how does it benefit the community? How does it make sense for RKL as a brand? And how can the community eventually, you know, participate in it? For instance, we haven't, people know it, we've announced it sort of, but the actual activation is going to happen um, early next year, some alpha there, but um, our Gatorade partnership, which Gatorade is entering in various different ways, and it's been in the works for two plus years, um, it's a lot of education, right? Like it goes very deep with educating these major brands. And also like we've had the opportunity to throw in different athletes or brands in the past, but it was like in the crazy markets, it was like, yeah, let's just do an NFT in there. And I think, well, we don't really see the long-term value of how this is going to make sense other than you capturing some quick dollars and, and leaving, right? Yeah. So everyone we will work with and have ever worked with is very, it's a deep integration. Like you'll see when Gatorade goes live, it is multi-faceted it's very deep we just did one with stance the uh, sports apparel brand the official sock of they used to be of the nba but also mlb various mm-hmm. others with paul george and that was like a digital physical ar activation um so everything we think about goes very deep from game from community as well as from like just making sense right i think web3 tries to put things together that don't make any sense and people just make it make sense for their own dollars um, and then when the dust settles, they're like, wait, this, this doesn't even work. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just curious about that because, uh, I know a couple of the web three games that work with the NFL, for example, from the football side of things, um, that does, like you said, put a lot of limitations on them. Like they can only market themselves in certain territories. Uh, they can't trade, uh, in the case of licensed players they like, I can't trade my NFT to anybody. I only have the option to sell or buy. And that's because of the way that the licensing and the royalties work with the players. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you guys took all that into account. You're working with people that obviously are going to benefit you and your community the most. So that's absolutely fantastic to hear. Also love the Gatorade alpha. I'm always trying to get alpha. So that was fantastic. <laughs> love it. So stepping out of the gameplay a little bit, obviously we don't have sound because of your setup and the way that the phones and stuff are routing. Um, do you guys have your own soundtrack? Like, did you guys do it in-house? Funny enough. So yes, we do all, We do everything in-house. So mm-hmm. sound effects, soundtrack, everything. Our, our uh, game studio that, that we work with and team there is a little over 20 people just on game. Um, however, so what's interesting is we have everyone kind of says this but i think our proof is in the pudding 
we have probably one of the most uh, diverse and talented communities I've seen. We have music producers, we have artists. Like we did a multiple different creation contests, and <clears throat> you would be blown away. They're on our social somewhere, but you'd be blown away at the things they created from like, like I said, physical basketball courts all the way to like three D worlds, and it's it's just nuts. So actually, one of the tracks that we use for different things that we we got permission from um, a Kong holder in the community. Um, his name's O'Neill. Shout out to him. He's produced things for Little Wayne, like various, I mean, A-list artists. He's incredibly talented. And um, he worked with a couple other guys and they created an RKL themed track. Um, it's very like street kind of, uh, it's just the vibe of RKL if, you, if you're in the community. And um, we're going to be throwing that in game. But um, for the alpha, actually, you'll, you'll hear it uh, over, over just as something in there. But um, yeah, like we... We lean into community as well. Like, there's talent in there. Why not? We we did a uh, community concubator fund with uh, Steph Curry's investment fund, Penny Jar, who her investors in RKL as well. Um, and like the voiceover for it came from somebody in the community who happens to be an ESPN uh, or an ex ESPN uh, voiceover artist. So it's just like, what are the odds, right? <laughs> lean into your communities is how we view it. That's actually fantastic. I I would I've actually. This is probably the first I've heard of somebody having a community member directly contribute something into the game. Like I know that we all do fan art or videos, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But hearing some like a soundtrack being taken from a community member and like, hey, we're going to use this in our game. I'm willing to bet he was ecstatic. Like he he was all it, for it. it. <laughs> and it's like, you know, as we continue to evolve, obviously we're not, you know, we can't do everything today. But it's like mm -hmm. when there is significant revenue coming in. We're going to license things from the community. Like even naming, like for instance, in our hub world, we have this waffle lore. There's a waffle rookie in our collection. And it's, if you're in the community, you get it. And we built a waffle truck in the world. And it's like, yeah, we have plenty of names and lore. Like we have game designers oh, that can make this. But why wouldn't we lean into the 70,000 people in the community and you know the, the few hundred really diehard people that will give us names? Like, let's get your stamp in there, right? You should feel like you've contributed something to the game, even if it's just a name. Man, I, I love that because, uh, you know, we, we always talk about the price of Web3 gaming and how these assets are so expensive and nobody's spending hundreds of dollars to play a game. You know what? I bought a $300 Founders Pass for Warframe. Why? Because I got my name in the game. Exactly. Uh, my name is on a planet. My screen name. Like that that was the big draw for me. I love the game. I wanted to support the team. I'm like, I'm gonna spend this money because I want to be in the game. If 100%. you if you tell players that there's they like there was actually a a lore contest one web three project held, and I asked them, I'm like, hey, like if if it's good enough, is this something we'll actually incorporate in the metaverse? Like is this they're like, Yeah, if it's good and the community and the DAO vote for it, like we'll make it canonical. And I was like bet i'm entering <laughs> like i want i want a chance to be in the game you know <laughs> totally it was a huge thing with kickstarters in gaming right in a way nfts at the most simplest like at the, at the base layer they're bringing you closer to your true fans community loyal audience etc validated proof right mm -hmm. so why wouldn't you lean into that an nft mint for a game in a lot of ways is also a kickstarter um give them things to do, give them benefits, give them things to contribute, and they will, right? Like, why wouldn't you? We have people who host their own fantasy competitions even in, and they're naming teams, and it's like, let people want to 
engulf in your universe if you let them. But you have to. You have to let them. Like we, and that's why we're also so public with the behind the scenes. Like uh, the whole reason you got involved in a project early on. Granted, we're, we're getting towards product release finally, but um, is because you actually want to be a part of the process. You want to feel the problems. You want to feel the solutions. You want to feel it all. You don't just want to feel a finished, polished thing, right? Or you would buy EA's latest title, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, a great example of the community contributing to lore and like the side story of a game, Red versus Blue. Anybody familiar with Halo knows yep. Rooster Teeth. They know Red versus Blue. And that that little side series that they did, utilizing the Halo assets and world and lore and stuff like that, allowed them to end up building a studio that now makes their own anime. Like it's crazy when you think of it, right? Supporting the community side of things and the content and stuff that they're putting putting out, it, 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 I would like to see it more in gaming. And you guys are obviously taking that route. I love everything that I have heard. Uh, regarding like all the community decisions, like you listen to the community feedback, you don't partner with brands unless you see a benefit with the community and the gameplay itself. Like, I, usually I can I can find a bone to pick. I got no bones to pick here. So, <laughs> except for I the audio, that. the lack of audio. Perfect. We'll get there. <laughs> I, that's that's the least of my concerns. I know, right? But uh, obviously, since we couldn't hear it, uh, what kind of emotion or atmosphere are you guys actually trying to portray with your audio? Like, do, are we going to expect some trap music? Is this going to be like something hype? Would I expect to hear it at an actual basketball game? Like, what are we working with? Yeah, so what's in that build isn't too exciting, right? Like, the audio is not really in there. But just minor sound effects, crowd cheering, that mm. successful group, you know, slam dunk noise on the VFX, etc., but really what we're trying to portray is like, I think it's an overplayed word and whatever, but is is like, like we try to make everything around RKL feel like culture. Like s- basketball isn't just a sport. Basketball isn't just whatever. Like we want that feeling of like getting ready to rumble that your engine starting at like a NASCAR race, right? Like that anticipation, like when players are coming out of the tunnel that like build up to a moment that's like everything we go for within within a game, like to where you're going to hit that fire dunk and you're going to feel like, oh, shit, that was cool. I need another one. Right. Um, like like ramping up that dopamine. Like that's why you go to a sports game of any sport is to feel that like vibe in an arena. Like that's what we're trying to build. Much harder said than done, obviously, uh, or much easier said than done, rather. Excuse me. Um, but um, that is like everything we're trying to portray. And that's how, how our sound effects, tracks, VFX will continue to kind of ramp towards is like when you're seeing, you know, that power up starting to build up, like you're feeling like, all right, I'm about to, I'm about to make some noise here in this arena, right? Heck yeah. So I got one more question before we can start to wrap things up. Uh, you guys mentioned, you know, you, you kind of worked on some Xbox games, some indie stuff in the past. What lessons did you learn from those games that you had developed previously and how did they influence your approach to this project? Yeah, I think one of them is probably what I've been saying. So it's a little redundant, but we learned a lot through both Total Minor and Minor of Duty of uh, involving a community. Like we had a, we had very active forums at the time when forums like were not even a thing, right? Um, like people, people sort of got involved in forums like, Reddit early days were starting to come about. Um, mm-hmm. But we used to take, we used to literally take ideas from the community of like, hey, this mechanic's broken. What should we do? 
You know, like we know what we should do, but you put in arguably as many, probably more hours than us, you might have a better suggestion, right? Let's lean into that. If it's horrible, we won't implement it. And we'll tell you that too. Like we're not scared of that either. Um, and so really leaning into that aspect. Mm -hmm. Second, um, probably big one is like, you never know what is going to be people in gaming today try to find out what their stick is going to be, what their explosion points going to be. You, you literally will never know. It will just happen. It will feel right. And you'll lean into it. And suddenly something magical will happen. Um, like with minor duty, that was our map builder. We were like, okay, people want that with total minor. Actually it came about as an error, but we were shocked that you could only hold things in one hand in Minecraft at the time. Like people were like, I'm picking, switching, building, picking, switching. Like I want to be able to just do it both at once. We accidentally had a bug where you're holding two things and we were playing. We're like, this feels good. I don't, on a controller too with triggers. It's like, this feels great. Let's try it out. And people were like, okay, yeah, we love this. Now you can hold two things in Minecraft. Um, so simple things like that. Like you never really know what that switch is going to be. Um, so you just have to keep experimenting. Like that's, that's like the model we'll always live by. You have to iterate, you have to experiment. I think a lot of studios, that is us being a smaller game studio. That's our um, leverage point over these larger studios is like, we can iterate fast. We don't need to convince a team of 30 writers that this is even that or 30 developers or whoever it is that this is even the right approach. Let's just try it. That makes sense. So I, I know obviously the inner goings and what's coming up, but for the people watching this video, what do they need to be aware of surrounding Kong Rumble League right now? Yeah, definitely. So uh, when this goes out, well, I've just completed an alpha test. So A, as always, get in the Discord, get ready for the next one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, grab a Kong and get in there and get active, right? Like, I think that's the best way to put it. There's a lot of helpful people in there that tell you all, if you love sports, if you love uh, basketball, if you love, like, everything that surrounds it, you're going to have a home in RKL, quite frankly. Um, so the alpha test, we're also, I don't know if we're teasing it yet, but we're going to do a giveaway for this stream something really cool we'll post after that uh, was a collaboration we did recently. We've got some promo stock that we've kept by special people. Um, so for that's me, the right? hint it's for, for me. you too. <laughs> we'll get you one. Don't worry. Uh, but um, so that'll be, that'll be cool and coming up, but yeah, really everything's focused on the content we put out on our Twitter at rumble Kongs. Um, we put out everything art recaps weekly. We even open development sprints on the actual game. Like, I don't think I encourage anyone to share me a game studio that is sharing more. Like we share animation work, artwork, we share development sprints. Like the only other thing we could quite frankly do is record our screens as our team works. Like uh, everything is very open and, and we like to, to continue keeping it that way. Hey, look, recording the dev screens is great behind the scenes content for YouTube. I'm just saying you're already doing artists actually our 3d modelers. They they'll like, They'll do a time lapse and we'll speed it up. But uh, yeah, it's uh, some people love things you think they wouldn't, right? That's fantastic. So, are there any like in person events or anything that you guys will be attending that they could sync up with you in the future? Not right now. Um, we're just okay. focused on product, getting it out the door. Frankly, um, towards towards Q one here, but um, we're hoping to lead up some pretty special ones um, as we're ready with product and like proper soft launch. So, stay tuned. Okay, so make sure you guys are following them on Twitter so that way you can keep in the loop as to when they're going to be in uh, which location, I guess. 
There's so many <laughs> there's so many events now I can sit here and yeah. say like, oh yeah, there'll be an ETH Denver and next thing I know, like ETH Denver is no longer an ETH Denver, it's an ETH Detroit or something. It's crazy. It's the events are <laughs> one every week. It's tough to Oh man. Well, if if is there anything else? Like I'm trying to get everything I can from you. We already got some alpha, we got upcoming events, we got a giveaway. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap no. this up? No, I think that's pretty much it. Like those are the exciting bits. Like I said, our team is pretty laser focused on product. We share so much. So instead of telling you to, to check it out, just go like, or to, to buy something, just go look. Um, and if it's for you, you'll quickly see like there's quite a lot happening. There's a lot of layers to RKL. Um, I think we touched on a few um, and they take a second to piece behind. But um like I said, if you're a basketball fanatic, a collector, a sports better, a degenerate, there's probably a place for you in the RKL community. There you guys have it. Uh, I, I'll tell you right now, I got to jump in there. J- well, I got to jump in the game. I, I got too many discords. I love discord to death, but I'm in too many. I'm going to be playing the game, though, for sure. And then in, once I run into an issue, I'm going to be in the discord because it never fails. <laughs> L- let's be honest. Let's be honest. Look. I play the game. I have a problem. I can run and bitch on Twitter, or I can go join the Discord. Which one's probably going to get me better support? I live for your hot takes <laughs> on Twitter all the time, but don't worry. I uh, I appreciate them. I think you, you know, even if they're negative, that's how you, that's how you you know actually build towards feedback. You need people to call things out. If everyone's saying everything's great, nothing's great. So, well, not only that, but I also have to be realistic. Because let's let's be honest, like I I'm over here playing Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. I'm waiting and I'm pushing for Web three to give me that same vibe where I wake up in the morning. And I'm like, man, I gotta go play this. Yeah. And and the problem right now isn't that we don't have good games. A lot of people are like we need good games. No, we have them. They're not finished yet. That's the problem. We need 1.0 releases. That's what we need. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You play any early alpha of any of those large titles, and you'll probably hate them too. <laughs> Right. I mean, look at Seven Days to Die. That game is on Steam Early Access. It's been in alpha for 10 years. 10 100%. years. Yeah, people are still hosting servers like crazy. I mean, it's yeah, look at GTA. <laughs> well, GTA is a different beast, though. Let's it be is. honest. It is. It's a whole different ball game, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. GTA could come out at a $1,000 price tag. Everyone's buying it. They'll take a loan out on their home. They're buying it. It doesn't matter. oh man well that is going to be a wrap for us ladies and gentlemen thank you again to nick for joining us today and showcasing what they are working on i'm not a big sports game person i used to have it on my twitter in my in my uh you know my pinned tweet not into sports games but i have had some web3 sports games completely change my tune on that so i'm looking forward to trying out the rumble kong league and giving my opinions on it because for mobile game i don't know it looks fun to me i'm willing to give it a shot to me, again, I, you know, very basic synopsis, Mario Soccer. That's what it made me think of, Mario Soccer, but now it's Mario Basketball with monkeys. So those types of games have always been a blast for both casual and the sweaty tryhard players like me. So I think that this is going to be a fantastic entry for Web3. I can't wait. And I Actually, no, I got one more question. Is it going to release on iOS and Android at the same time? It's a great question. Well, the alpha tests will be. So alpha tests will be on iOS and Android. The, the bigger question is, will the uh, clarity ever come 
on Apple. It's getting there, certainly, but um, that's the goal. <laughs> I'm an Apple user, and every time a Web3 app comes out, I'm like, yes, time to go download it. I go to the page, and it says coming soon. I'm like, I know. But our alpha test, you'll be playing it on iOS already. Don't worry. We'll get you in there. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be a wrap. Remember, we couldn't have done it without you, our amazing viewers and supporters. Your engagement are the reason that we do this week after week. Your passion fuels our drive to bring you the hottest topics and thought-provoking conversations week after week. Remember that the sauce never stops flowing. Stay connected with us on social media. Make sure you guys go follow Rumble Kong League as well over on Twitter and join their Discord. Go sign up for the beta on their website, rumblekongleague.com. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us today. Sauce Enthusiasts, join us next time for another episode of The Block Sauce, where we'll keep the gaming flame alive and the discussion sizzling. Stay saucy and keep gaming in the exciting realm of Web3. Thank you for joining.